Okay, as we now read through all four gospel accounts of the empty tomb, of some of the resurrection, we're going to do a short, what I'm calling a sermonette, because we've done a lot of reading today, and it's been pretty interactive. We're going to look at something, picking up where we left off from John chapter 20, verse 19 through 29. Uh, So grab a Bible, follow along, and I'll paraphrase a few things, uh, picking up right where we left off. So a few months ago, it was on a Friday, my daughter was in school, and we had, I was off, and we had my son, Christian, who's four years old, with us, and we thought we could pull this off. Usually it's hard to go out in public with him uh, for obvious reasons, because he's a young, rambunctious boy, but we thought we could go to Target. I needed some new jeans, so we thought, I'll try on some jeans, we'll do it quickly, we'll go home. We got there, I found the jeans, we went back into the dressing room area, I went into a dressing room, and I started trying on these jeans, And I could hear my wife, Jessica, outside, and there's some commotion going on, and I thought, something's wrong. So I got out, I stepped out of my dressing room, and I looked outside, and Jessica was at the door, and my son, my four-year-old son, had gone into another dressing room, and he had locked himself in there. And Jessica was saying, Christian, open the door. And I was angry, and I said, Christian, open the door right now, I'm going to spank you, which doesn't work when he's locked in and you can't get to him. So I tried to crawl under the door, and I couldn't because it wasn't a big enough gap. I tried to climb over the door, and I couldn't. So there we were at the mercy of a four-year-old in Target who had locked himself in a dressing room door. And the greatest thing was that as we tried to plead with him and convince him why he should unlock it, uh, we looked around at some of the other parents and other people that were there, and they were just staring us down and shaking their heads. And I was like, we've become those parents who can't keep control of their kid. Now, I say that because in John 20, 19 through 29, we're going to see a few locked doors. And for Jesus, a locked door is not a barrier. For me that day, it was a barrier. For Jesus, it's not. And thankfully, my son eventually did uh, come out of the dressing room. We wound up being okay. Um, But in John chapter 20 and verse 19, picking up where we left off of the last reading, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met, were locked for fear of the Jews. But Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The doors are locked. They're behind closed doors. They're afraid. And Jesus just suddenly appears. The locked door is no barrier for him. In verse 20, it said, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So here, this... Empty tomb that we've been reading about all morning, and now Jesus is appearing to his disciples. They've locked him out unintentionally, and it's no barrier for him. He's in the room. He shows them his hands. He shows them his side, but there's a slight problem because there's a person missing. And you probably know by now that person is Thomas. We read in verse 24 and 25... You know, and Thomas is missing, so they have to go tell Thomas, hey, guess what? We've seen the risen Lord. And Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it myself. Unless I put my hands where his nail marks were, where the scars were, or my hand on his side, I won't believe it. And sometimes I like to use Thomas as an example because if you skip out, you miss out. And Thomas skipped out. I don't know why he wasn't with him, but he missed out. So the next week comes around in verse 26. A week later... The disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were shut. So again, the doors are shut, maybe indicating again they're locked. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then, 
Thomas is there this time, so Thomas is able to see the Lord, touch those marks where the nails were and his side, which was pierced, and then Thomas calls out this great confession, my Lord and my God. So my question is, as I read through this text, I've been thinking about it for several months now, is why does the Holy Spirit want us to know this? Why did the Holy Spirit lead John to write in such a way to show us that there were no barriers for the resurrected Jesus? If you remember, we read together uh, earlier in John 20 that the linen cloth, the the grave clothes, were still in the same spot where they had been when they buried Jesus. But his body was gone. So it's like he just passed right through the grave clothes. He was in a tomb that was sealed shut by this huge stone, this huge rock. And that was no barrier for him. He came right out of that tomb. And now the disciples are behind locked doors. And that's not a barrier for him because he just all of a sudden is mysteriously among them, even though they've tried to use the locked doors to keep something out, to keep someone out. So why does John want us to know this? Well, in order to maybe try to discover that, we may ask the question, why do we lock doors? Why do we do that? The house that we now live in, we moved into about a year ago. And our neighbors warned us over the first few weeks of living in this house that uh, make sure you lock your car doors at night. We live by a park and... Over the last year or so, last couple of years, our neighborhood is known for thieves coming through our neighborhood in the middle of the night, checking for unlocked doors in a car, and stealing anything out of it if you did leave your car door unlocked. So I'm thinking, well, good thing I always lock my car doors, but even if I left it unlocked, I don't know what they would steal. I have a Bible dictionary in there and some, commentary, some commentaries that I use, so I keep it in the back of my car. And if they were to find an unlocked door and steal those, I would actually be really irritated because I use them. Unless somehow those, a Bible dictionary led somebody to Jesus, then that would be great. Otherwise, I keep my car doors locked. We keep our house locked up at night. We do that because it makes us feel safe. We feel safely locked inside and we feel like anything that could be dangerous is outside and can't get inside. So why are the disciples behind locked doors? Well, John tells us it's because they're afraid. They've just experienced one of the craziest things they've ever seen in their life, given up their life to follow Jesus, and then they witness his brutal murder and his death on the cross. And they're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid of what's going to happen to them. So they huddle up in a house, and they close in the locked doors. And right now in Gregg County and a lot of places around the world, you've heard this phrase, shelter at home. And some of you, those who adhere to this, I know there's a lot of people still around town that don't seem to pay any attention to this, but to slow the spread of this virus, we're encouraged to stay at home, work from home, just be at home. So if you feel like you've been at home and maybe you don't know one day from the next and, and you've just been stuck at home and maybe you haven't even left your house for a week or two and you feel stuck at home, you feel locked in at home, well, take heart, take courage. Jesus can still meet you there. The disciples were behind locked doors and Jesus still showed up. But if we keep pressing a little further, can Jesus still come through locked doors? He does it here in John 20. Is it possible for Jesus to still be able to move through locked doors? And if that's the case, that may mean, that may indicate that the presence of Jesus can be anywhere at any time. The end of the Gospel of Matthew, after he 
has resurrected and appeared to them before He ascends. He gives the Great Commission and He ends that by saying, I am with you always. So Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew starts with Emmanuel, God with us, and it ends with Jesus promising to be with you always. The Gospel of John ends in chapter 20 with Jesus being able to stand and appear wherever He wants to go. But if I keep asking questions and keep pressing a little further with this text, do we sometimes choose the comfort of just being locked in? And maybe locking Jesus or somebody else out? There's a story that I've been drawn to, and I was reminded of this week. It's about a former inmate named, um, his name was Albert Woodfox. And he was locked up in prison for 43 years in solitary confinement. He was in a six by nine foot cell, and 23 hours out of the day, he was in there by himself with nobody else around, no people, no human interaction. No sky. And I think one hour out of the day, they'd let him go outside for just a little bit. And for over four decades, this was his life. And then at the age of 69, in February of 2016, he was released from prison. And he was finally free. And two months later, April of 2016, he traveled with a friend to Galveston, Texas. And it was on the beach as a free man for the first time in 43 years. He's able to look at the ocean and enjoy the sound of the waves, to hear it, to see the people, to look at the blue sky. And you would think, what a wonderful thing for somebody who's been locked up for over four decades and now he has his freedom. Well, a reporter found him that day on the beach and asked what I thought was a strange question. And this reporter asked Albert Woodfox, do you ever miss your cell? You were locked up for 43 years, do you ever miss it? And his answer shocked me and probably surprised a lot of people. And he said, yes, I do, actually. He said, when I was in my cell, there was a certain level of just acceptance and comfort and predictability. I had a routine. I knew when the meals were going to come and nothing out of the ordinary ever happened. He said, now that I'm free and I'm out in the open, it's sort of unpredictable and a little unnerving. And then he went on to say, that's what the cell does to you. That's what being locked up does to you, is it makes you get so comfortable with it, it's hard to enjoy your newfound freedom. And in Jesus, the whole story, the death, burial, resurrection, all of that, what Jesus is offering us is freedom from sin and freedom from the fear of death. Do we normally choose this freedom that Jesus offers us, or do we keep Him locked out? And what I mean by that is there's times in our lives where maybe we partly lock Jesus out. And if I'm being, uh, if I'm going to offer confession here, I will confess to you that there's a lot of areas in my life that I let Jesus in. I unlock that door and let Him in, but there's plenty of times where we, we're great, we're masters at this as human beings of compartmentalizing our lives And we let Jesus in partly, and then we partly lock Him out. Maybe that's you, or maybe you are in a place in life, a season in life, or you've been there at least, where you're living in this intentional sin, and it's during those times we lock Jesus out because we don't want Him interfering with our lives. Maybe that's where you've been. Maybe you've locked Jesus out for a long while. 
And because of all this that's gone on, maybe you've tuned back in and you've paid more attention to churches and worship and you've realized, or at least you're starting to realize, that you locked Jesus out a long time ago and it's time to let Him back in. So can Jesus still pass through walls, pass through a tomb, pass through grave clothes? Can He still have no barriers? I was reminded earlier this week from another preacher pointing out John 20 and how Jesus passed through these walls and the locked doors were no barriers to Him. And He said there's one place that Jesus will not just show up without you letting Him in. And He said that's your heart. He said when it comes to the door of your heart, you choose to let Him in. And Jesus stands at the door of your heart and He knocks, but He's not going to violate your free will and force His way in. He's there He's available. He's ready. But the decision is on you and I to let Him in. So it may mean on this Easter Sunday that one of the things that you need to think about, dwell on, or comprehend is how do you need to let Him in? How could you need to unlock the door of your own heart and maybe you need to let Him in further? You've let Him in some, partly. Let Him in further. Maybe you need to go ahead and let Him all the way in or invite Him back in. Jesus offers us this freedom from sin and this life with Him. And we see this resurrected Jesus, we see these empty tomb stories, and we see a Jesus who can just pass through these doors. But when it comes to the door of our heart, He stands and He knocks. And will you let Him in? At this point, we're going to conclude this part of the worship, and I'm going to invite... Uh, one of our elders, Neil Venable, up here to close us out and say a few final words.